Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here for the Locked On Nationals podcast brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off on your first order. On today's show, it is the postseason position breakdown for shortstop. We have a whole lot of Trey Turner to talk about. He uh, obviously is the Nats leader at that position, and it's the first position where we really are talking about one guy being the guy. A lot of these positions we've talked about, catcher, second base, and first, have all had a mix of guys who were involved in that position, which is okay. Shortstop's really the first position we've gotten to where we know who it is, who it has been, and who it's going to be at that position. So enjoy today's episode, postseason position breakdown about the shortstop position for the Nats. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, everybody, let's get to it today on the show. It is our postseason position breakdown for shortstop. And the first thing that comes to mind when I think about the national shortstop position, obviously, you know, Trey Turner, the person comes to mind. But, you know, we talked about all these other positions and they've lacked stability. And, you know, stability in the sense of it's not one guy on a day-to-day basis. That's okay, right? At catcher, that's kind of the reality of the position. At first base, sometimes it's nice to have a rotation of guys. For the Nationals at second base, it was necessity due to injury that they had a mix of guys, right? It was supposed to be Starlin Castro as the everyday second baseman, but it ends up being some Josh Harrison, mostly Luis Garcia. Now you get to shortstop, and there is something to be said about saying the Nationals have their shortstop. does not matter who is pitching, does not matter what day of the week it is, does not matter when the game is occurring, could be 9 a.m., could be 9 p.m., Weather, rain, shine, snow. Trey Turner is playing shortstop for the Nationals when he is healthy. And this season for him, albeit a shortened season, was his best. And so you have to think, once again, having that stability, that position, the Nationals only have that. The Nationals only know who their guy is at two spots right now, in my opinion. I mean, going into the season, they were a bit more confident about it, but... Right now, what you can say for sure is that Trey Turner is the Nationals shortstop, Juan Soto is the Nationals left fielder, and then besides that, you really don't know. I mean, yeah, Victor Robles plays center field a whole lot, but they don't depend on him. You know, They're not going to be able to depend on him if he keeps playing offense at the level that he does. So there's two guys who you, are no, you know that are so secure in their positions, and that is Trey and one. And today we get to talk about Trey because I think he got drowned out just a little bit because how good Juan Soto was this season. At a glance, in Trey's year this year, he played 59 games, 233 at bats. He hit 335, 394 on base, 588 slugging, 982 OPS. He had four home runs. He drove in 41 runs, struck out 36 times, and he walked 22 times. So, the first thing you want to look at for me is where does Trey at shortstop, because we've been doing this a bunch, where does, you know, the shortstop position for the Nats rank? And there's really no need to look at this position, you know, uh, kind of like how do the Nats complete position at shortstop? How does that look? Because Trey had 259 AB or plate appearances this year. Uh, 
Wilmer Defoe had three at short and Luis Garcia had five at short. With that in mind, it's, let's just look at his numbers and how he stacks up against other guys at his position. In terms of average, Trey Turner is first amongst all shortstops in the entire league in average. He is first amongst all shortstops in the league at on-base percentage. The same goes for slugging and for OPS. His 12 home runs was enough for a tie in second. Him and Corey Seager are both there. His 41 RBI, uh, that is enough for second behind, behind Fernando Tatis Jr., and his total bases at 137 is first. His walks at 22, that is good enough to be in a tie for sixth with Glaber Torres and Dansby Swanson. And all of this is to say that Trey had another outstanding season. One interesting piece that Mark Zuckerman wrote, uh, this comes from Mass, and this is on October 9th he wrote this, so actually it was published this morning. So the question he's asking is, Time to view Trey Turner as a run producer instead of a table setter. I think that's a really valuable question, right? You think about Trey struggled in the beginning of the season, yes, and then became on, you know, came on like a house of fire. He had a 16 games hitting streak where he hit 507, seven doubles, two triples, four homers, and 21 runs scored. Although he cooled off a bit in September, he still finished uh, leading the league. In hits, while well ranked fourth in batting average, fifth in runs, sixth in slugging percentage, and OPS, seventh in RBIs, and second in total bases. The question Zuckerman is asking here is that is it time for them to move Trey Turner to a spot in the lineup where he is going to be hitting uh, behind guys, right, as opposed to him being the leadoff guy? They tried this a couple times this season, but it was not. It was more of trying to get the other guys going, right? It was trying to get Victor Robles going. It was trying to get Adam Eaton going. That is why they moved Trey Turner and stacked, you know, the, the Turner and Soto combination is because they wanted to be able to give one of those guys at least some protection and also put the other guys in a spot to try to succeed. I mean, yes, it was to drive in some runs, but it was mostly to try and get those guys going. Now, as we shift to 2021, can the Nationals build enough of a roster that gives them the opportunity to put Trey in a spot to drive in runs? You know, with what they have right now, I mean, is there somebody else who can set the table, per se, and get on base for Trey to drive in? I don't know if they have that guy. I don't know if they do. I don't know if there's anybody else that you're looking at. I mean, Luis Garcia, small sample size. I don't think you want Starlin Castro leading off. There's really nobody in the outfield, you know, one, I mean, you could have him lead off, but I definitely should not be in that spot, right? So where else could they go with that? I mean, they had, you know, this is from Zuckerman. When they had Bryce Harper, Anthony Rendon, Daniel Murphy, and Juan Soto in the lineup, Turner obviously was needed to lead off and set the table. Now everyone from that group, aside from Soto gone, they probably need him to be more of a focal point in the heart of their lineup. It's a good point, but my question is, once again, who is going to get on base for you in the beginning? And that's the thing about Trey is like Trey provides basically everybody behind him with the opportunity to drive him in in some way, shape, or fashion or move him around because of his speed and also because how often he gets on base. I mean, Trey's hit numbers are staggering, but how often does Trey make weak contact with the ball and beat it out? Pretty often. I mean, it happens a lot where Trey is legging out infield hits because he's just that fast and he's very good about hitting the ball and just putting his head down and beating plays out. And that's, I mean, they're legitimate hits, but... You know, that's, that's another part of, of him 
in the beginning of the lineup, him getting on is that speed, right? And that's, once again, not to take away from what he does offensively, but that speed is, in my opinion, an asset at that front of the front part of the lineup. Valid point, you can move him back, but I think just by the nature of Trey's physical attributes, like the speed, and kind of, the, you know, how he hits, I think he's a better, he's dri- driven a lot of runs this year, but I think he's better to lead off. And I think it's incumbent on the guys behind him to drive him in. I think with Castro, you're, you'd get more of that, right? I think um, depending if they can bring in another bat, you're going to get more of that. They can get more from that right field position. You're going to see more of tra- you know Trey being driven in. Not as much of a, of, of a problem. Maybe if the lineup stays the same, you say, look, we got nobody else to drive and run, so it has to be Trey, and we hope whoever we put in the front of the lineup can get on base. But even then, like I'm still skeptical of moving Trey around. I think it's an interesting idea. It's a fun topic to throw around. Um, and also one other thing that, that, that Zuckerman brings up is he says, you know, this is obviously an opportunity for Trey to, uh, improve his chances of staying with the nationals long-term. And he's got two years remaining until he becomes a free agent. And as we've seen, it's dangerous to let these guys reach their walk year without a contract already in place. Zuckerman says, yeah, we've seen that before. Turner is one of the nationals who is not represented by Scott Boris. And um, he he said he might be amenable to a contract extension right now, according to Zuckerman. So they've got to lock him up. Like he is, there's, I mean, he's going to be one of the reasons that this team sinks or swims, right? They've just got to go. I mean, Trey has shown steady improvement, uh, at least from the batting standpoint, and they've got to get him, you know, they've got to lock him up. There's no way this team can let him walk. If they want to retool and be competitive and, all the moves, all the indications are that's that's what they're aiming to do. This is you know they took their step back this season and uh, ownership, management, and you know the the team obviously clearly not happy with what happened, but with what they bring back and you know Trey long term. I mean he's got to be a part of their plans. He has got to be a part of their plans moving on. Once again, for to to kind of revisit the batting stuff and just uh, put a pin in this conversation and I think you know we'll have to move. You kind of have to do the long-term look, like like what else they bring in, and that's going to be a big question. Is you know they bring in somebody else that's going to kind of shape their lineup about you know where Trey is going to hit. But for right now, I think he should stay in the leadoff spot. I think that is where he's best suited. I think his speed is another one of those things that you just cannot you cannot understate. The total bases uh, kind of reflects that just because he's able to stretch. You know, singles in the right field. He's at first. He'll go first to third. Uh, you saw him inside the park home run where he burned it from first base to home. It's just a killer. And I think uh, trying to replace that in the front of the lineup, especially when you don't have any answer about who it might be, is just something that you can't do. He's got to be at the front. They've got to figure out the two, three, and four. You got to stay healthy, got to get one more bat, and got to, you know, then figure out the order from there. But I think it's going to be Castro, Soto, and question mark. Uh, in some way, shape, or form. I think I think that's good enough, right? I, th- I think in your front four, I mean, it's definitely going to be good enough. It's just a matter of figuring out how those pieces fit together. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Trey's defense and also, too, uh, solutions for, hey, if Trey needs an off day, if Trey gets, in- Trey gets injured, what are you going to do? So we'll do that in a second after a word from our sponsors. Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting, best for you sports performance bar in the game today. Right now, go to builtbar.com, use a promo code locked on for $10 off on your first order. Right now, they have a limited time release of a strawberry flavor. It's 12% off on your first order right now through October 12th. 
They've partnered with Breast Cancer Angels, Huntsman Cancer Institute, and Living Beyond Breast Cancer. All of these things have teamed up to make their strawberry flavor. It's out there for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and they're raising money for breast cancer research. Right now, they also have a breast cancer awareness hoodie. You can go to their website, and it's $19.95. 100% of those proceeds will be going to some of those breast cancer awareness charities and research charities that we discussed. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, 12% off your first order. And also, buy that strawberry flavor. Buy one of the hoodies. Support breast cancer awareness this month. We want to thank Built Bar for their support of Locked On Nationals and the support of those breast cancer awareness and research charities. All right, let's touch on Trey's defense really fast here. Uh, not a good season for Mr. Trey Turner at shortstop. In his 59 games, 59 starts, he had nine errors in 497, four, excuse me, 479.2 innings played. So that nine errors in, in the amount of time in 59 games, if you extrapolate that out, so basically 60 multiplied by two, he would make 18 errors in 120 games, essentially. Last season, he played 122, and he made 13 errors. So you're basically looking at five more errors uh, this season if he played the same amount that he did last season. That is no bueno. And you look back even to 2018, he had 12 errors in 1,401 innings. So his defense is on a bit of a decline. It looks like he's pressing uh, sometimes out there. His fielding percentage was 95.6. The league average was 97. And the league average really does usually hang out around 97. Um, It's come down since 2016. The league average is 97.5. It's come down all the way to 97 this season. But, you know, this year he's usually at the league average or a little better uh, his entire career. Uh, Say, you know, last year he was within a point, uh, you know, and... This season, he is off a whole, over a whole percentage point, right? And that's that's not a good, uh, it's not a good gap to have at this point. I mean, like even think about, you know, I'm thinking about the umpires, a lot of conversation about umpire strike zones right now. And you think about how, you know, a lot of games are 97, you know, at league average for umpires, it's 97% accurate. And we're thinking about how, you know, a 94% accurate umpiring game is not a very good one, right? Uh, you know, 88 is, is awful. That was one I think maybe C.B. Buckner had the other night. So the feeling average, you know, think about this, is it's just not where it needs to be. And then you kind of look at some of the stats. Total zone, total fielding runs above average is a good metric because it's the number of runs above or below average the fielder was worth per, per 1,200 innings. That's approximately 135 games. So what it basically does is that it equates his defense and asks how many runs above average or below average was Trey Turner considering his fielding and his defense this year. And they extrapolate, obviously, 59 games, but they extrapolated out to 1,200 innings. They're saying right now, this season, Trey Turner's defense would put him at negative 17 runs per 135 games. That is absolutely unacceptable. He has got to be better at defense than that. This is the one part of his game that even he admitted he has to work on, and the Nationals as a whole, they have to clean it up. He has to build some chemistry, obviously, with his middle infield mates, and I think he will with a full offseason now. Chance for them to grow and learn together, and um, I think that is important as well, too. But the Nationals' defense did struggle some this year. And also, too, the BIS defensive runs saved uh, above average per 1,200 innings, so it's the number of runs 
above or below average, the fielder was worth per 1,200 innings. Uh, again, this one combines a couple of different stats, but this is another one has him at minus 20. So Trey, at this point, it was it was one of his more poor defensive uh, defensive. Uh, years that he had and maybe he turns around maybe it does improve throughout the season but the pace he was setting was not good and that's something he's got to work on in the offseason and they've identified that too it's something that we even talked about with Luis Garcia it was something that they identified and Trey Turner was quoted in the article too I believe it was on Masson saying that his defense has to improve some the next question goes is how are they going to fill in for Trey if he is out Luis Garcia has played some shortstop so I think what the strategy is for them here is if they bring back Josh Harrison, which I'm hoping they do, they can slide Harrison in at second if Trey is ever out and move Garcia to short, or they can move Stalin Castro to short and put Carter Keyboom at third base as needed. Hopefully Trey is able to stay healthy. He was he's been able to, you know, to really stay healthy the last couple of seasons. Um, but at this point in time, you know, I think it's important for them to have a contingency plan in the event Trey is there without Trey. And I think Luis Garcia is a good contingency plan at shortstop. As long as you have somebody like a Josh Harrison, like a Starling Castro, you can shift over to second base. And here's the thing. Carter Kibo might not be great at third, but you know, if, if they have to play him, they're comfortable and they're fine with that. And he has gotten better. And if that's the way it has to be. It's the way it has to be. Hopefully, I mean, you know, the idea of them losing Starling Castro is an awful one. Um, excuse me, losing Trey Turner is an awful one because it kind of reminds me of that example with the Colts a couple years ago with Peyton Manning. They were at a practice for a Monday night football game, and John Gruden asked, uh, I forget who was the offensive coordinator at the time, but he says, why don't you guys give the backup quarterback reps with the first team? And he goes, if 18 Manning, Peyton Manning, goes down, we're effed, and we don't practice effed. And that's kind of how it is with you know with the Nationals, with Turner and Soto. I mean, if one of those two guys goes down, good luck, right? Like, it's just kind of... It, one of those two guys, you know, going down would be a disaster for them. And uh, many teams, you know, it's, it's hard to overcome stuff like that. It's not like, you know, that the, the Nats are going to have the luck of the Yankees to be able to bring all these guys in who can fill in and do so well. I, I just don't think they're going to have that luxury, especially with this group, the way it's constructed right now. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Make sure you guys check out the second base, the first base, and the catcher. Uh, postseason position breakdowns. All of those are in the podcast feed. The next edition, number four of the Playoff Diary, is going to be coming on Monday. We have one more game to take care of in the American League Division Series between the Rays and the Yankees. We have the Braves and the Dodgers. Uh, They will square off in the National League Championship Series. The Astros await their opponent. So a lot to be coming on the Playoff Diary. The next one we're going to do, the most interesting position to talk about, is going to be third base for our postseason position breakdowns. Really, there hasn't been much headway made there, so a lot of questions to be asked and answered at third base. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter, at LO underscore Nationals. Follow me at Josh Neighbors underscore. And then check out the Locked On MLB, as well as the Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. All of these things are a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. One more thing before we get out of here, we want to let you guys know that today's show was brought to you by Postmates. Postmates is your personal food, grocery, and whatever kind of delivery service you need all year round. Anything you're craving, Postmates can deliver. They're the largest on-demand network in the U.S. and offer delivery from all the restaurants, grocery, and convenience stores, and traditional retailers you could possibly want or need. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, Postmates will bring you what you need within the hour. 
You don't even need to know where the store is. Postmates will deliver anything to you. Download the app for iOS or Android for free. Browse local restaurants and businesses and track your delivery in real time. For a limited time offer, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code LOCKEDON. That's code LOCKEDON for $100 off of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmates it. Download the Postmates app to save with code LOCKEDON. 